2016. This is the Hermetic Hour. I'm your host, Folk Runyon, and tonight we present a discussion on the alchemical classic Splendor Solace by Solomon Trismoisen, 1582. This magnificently illustrated work is considered to be the most beautiful illuminated manuscript of all the medieval and Renaissance occult books. It draws on all of the earlier alchemical classics, such as the Turbo Philosophorum. Solomon Trismoisen was said to have been the mentor of the most famous of all alchemists, Paracelsus. The 22 beautiful allegorical paintings that illustrate the book are the work of the Renaissance master Lucas Von Leiden. The symbolic paintings have been likened to the 22 greater arcana of the tarot. Now, this book has been a great influence on Rosicrucianism and deserves a place in any study of that tradition. So, if you want to peek at the splendor of the sun, put on your dark glasses and tune in. Stay with us now. In my opinion, the best survey book on alchemy is The Lure and Romance of Alchemy by C.J.S. Thompson, 1932. Thompson deals with the splendor solace. 1582, which has been attributed to the legendary alchemical master Solomon Trismoisen. Thompson states that there is no evidence to prove that Solomon Trismoisen ever existed, or that he wrote Splendor Solace, or the other works attributed to him. Their origin is unknown. But Schmeider who made a careful investigation of the matter, believes that the author of Splendor Solace was called Pfeiffer, and that he was a Saxon by birth. Now, Thompson goes on to declare that there is probably no more beautiful specimen of the illuminator's art in existence than the manuscript entitled Splendor Solace, which is now in the British Museum. Now, which is said to have been written about 1582. The 22-page miniatures which illustrate it, each of which have a mystic meaning, are said to have been painted by the famous master Lucas van Leiden and are exquisite examples of his art. I'm going to digress from my script here a little bit and, 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 and mention this now. Um, the, uh, there are about ten copies of of Splendor Solace in uh, around uh, Europe and maybe in, of course there's one in the British Museum, uh, which is available in facsimile. And, and uh, then, then there, there are a number of them uh, in in different museums and, and libraries in Europe, which indicates that although uh, Van Leiden may have done the originals of these, these 22 miniatures, uh, other, other uh, artistically inclined monks must have copied uh, these, uh, these designs for, for the other copies. Uh, and uh, the, 
uh, I will say that the that the um, the European reproductions of the uh, these twenty two uh, cards are seem to be a great deal more detailed and and uh, and uh, clearer detail and definition now than the one that we have from the British Museum. But that's just my opinion. You. Uh, you know, you can have a look at them yourself. There, there, there. There are a lot of them online. You can look at them online. Uh, now, the manuscript's text is divided into seven treatises. Now, uh, Thompson quotes from the the preface to summarize the Hermetic philosophy behind the work. By the way, uh, C. J. S. Thompson was a member of the. Uh, uh, the Royal College of Surgeons, and he was he was a physician and very very astute. And uh, his, this book of his, uh, the Learned Romance of Alchemy, is really really quite good. It's um, it's been out of print for a while, so it's available on the Kissinger reprint uh, if you want to get it. And I I think they have a, I think there's a hardback available too. Um, now let's. Uh, get into the preface of Splendor Solace. I had to print it out. We had we had to print it out. I I have a a, a, a copy of this. This uh this text by the way was um the text was was um, of the English translation of it was also printed back in the late 1930s, and uh, has been and and was reprinted by the um, and was reprinted by the uh, Yogi Society, uh, and um, and they that has been uh, um, um, actually. You can get it in PDF online, um, and then Kissinger also has a has a reprint of it. Now, this is the preface that uh, that uh, uh, Thompson was quoting. Uh, Alphidius, one of the old philosophers, said, "Everyone who does not care for the trouble of obtaining the philosopher's stone." will do better in making no inquiries at all at uh, than any than only useless ones. In other words, if you don't really want to do it, then don't do it. The same also says Rice in his book, Light of Lights. Let it be said then to all, I hereby admonish them most earnestly, that none be so foolhardy to presume to understand the unknown intermixture of the elements. For as Rosinus says, all who engage in this art and are wanting the knowledge and perception of things which the philosophers have described in their books are erring immensely. For the philosophers have founded this art in a natural beginning, but of a very hidden operation. Though it is evident that all corporal things originate in and are maintained and exist of the earth, 
according to time and influence of the stars and the planets, as the sun, the moon, and the others, together with the four qualities of the elements, which are without intermission, moving and working therein, thereby creating every growing and procreating thing in its individual form, sex and substance, as first created at the beginning by God the Creator. Consequently, all metals originate in the earth of a special and peculiar matter produced by the four properties of the four elements, which generate in their mixture the metallic force under the influence of their respective planets. All this is well described by the natural master Aristotle in the fourth book, Metrologicorium, when he says that quicksilver is a matter common to all metals. But it must be known that first in nature is the compound matter of the four elements. In acknowledging this property of nature, the philosophers called their matter mercurius or, or quicksilver. How this mercurius takes the perfect form of, of, of gold, silver, or other metals through the working of nature need not be mentioned here. The teachers of na nature's philosophy describe it sufficiently in their books. Upon such is based and founded the art of the philosopher's stone. For it originates in nature and thence follows a natural end in a just form through just and natural means. That's the preface. Now, essentially, what what we're saying that that is still meaningful in this day and time is that um, the planets, the moon, and the elements do uh, do uh, affect the entire process. Now, we will, of course, realize that that this does not apply uh, in in uh, in a chemical sense. This does not apply. Uh, to the origin of metals, except perhaps to crystals. But it doesn't. It, it doesn't apply. And then we we've discovered that that was the big flaw in alchemy. And and uh, um, they they the alchemists presumed that that metals grew just in the same way plants did. Uh, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But um, essentially, what 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 the uh, uh, the Splendor Solace theory is based on is the immortality of Hermestris Megistus. And we had a show a few weeks ago on that. And uh, that, that and that formula, by the way, is repeated here in the book, in the text. And and uh, the, uh, the the idea that this whole system is hermetic. Now, um, let me uh, continue here with, uh, with our... Uh, uh, with our dissertation. Although Trismoisen is said to have been the teacher and mentor of Paracelsus, we should recall that Solomon Trismoisen, his search for the Philosopher's Stone was, according to his own or 
or uh, it, it was said to be his own writings, primarily was for the transmutation of metals, whereas Paracelsus, his so-called student, considered this gold-making a lesser aspect of the alchemical art and was more concerned with the stone's healing and medicinal applications. Paracelsus was a physician, and as an alchemist, he was more concerned in finding the elixir of life and the universal medicine than in making gold. Now, with that understood, we can uh, take a Paracelsus's approach and view the alchemical mystery described and illustrated in Splendor Solace as applying to human internal physical transformation. Now, the various stages of the work being likened to the Jungian quest for individuation. Of course, it is also important to keep in mind the conceptual mismatches between astrology, Kabbalah, and alchemy. And no matter how hard the Rosicrucians and some later Golden Dawners tried to make all three systems work directly together, they simply will not and for a very basic reason. In astrology and in Kabbalah, inspiration descends from above and evolution ascends from below. Whereas in alchemy, it's presupposed that metals grow and evolve in the earth. Lead eventually becomes gold, according to the alchemists. Now, various natural forces and elements are thought to continue and to combine in this very, very slow process. So the old alchemist reasoned that if he could replicate the natural elemental conditions and speed up the process in his laboratory, he could evolve metals. To the degree that this works, we call this process chemistry. To the degree that it does not work, we call it fraud. However, as the modern editor of Splendor Solace and Dr. C.J.S. Thompson both admit the discovery of radioactivity and its effects have given laboratory or practical alchemy some new lease on life. However, we have also discovered, and this is very interesting recently, we've also discovered that gold reached the Earth from outer space in the form of an ancient meteor shower. Trying to make it out of lead was never a good idea. Some alchemists may have suspected the celestial origin of the rarest of metals when they declared, you have to have gold to make gold. Now let's read uh, the first treatise, and then, and then if we have time, the seventh treatise from the English Trans, uh, from the English translation. Now, here's the first treatise. The following treatise we shall discourse on the origin of the stone of the philosophers and the art on how to produce it. The philosopher's stone is produced by means of the greening and growing nature of, of all of the 
a philosopher says, Holly the philosopher says, thereof, this stone rises in growing greening things. Wherefore, when the green is reduced to its former nature, whereby things sprout and come forth in ordered time, it must be de- uh, decoded and putrefied in the way of our sacred art. That by art may be added with nature, uh, decocts and, and putrefies until she gives it uh, in due time the proper form. And our art but adapts and, uh, and, and prepares, but adopts and prepares the matter to become, uh, to, uh, as becomes nature for such work. And for such work provides also with uh, premeditated wisdom a suitable vessel. For art does not undertake to produce gold and silver anew, as it cannot endow matter with, the, with its first origin, nor is it necessary in, uh, to search our, our art in the, in the places and caverns of the earth, where minerals have their first beginning. Art goes quite another way uh, to work and with different intention from nature. Therefore, does art also use different tools and instruments. For that reason, can art produce extraordinary things out of the aforesaid natural beginnings, such as nature of herself, would never be able to create. For unaided, nature does not produce things whereby imperfect metals uh, can, in a moment, uh, be made perfect. But by the secrets of our art, this can be done. Here, nature serves art with matter, and art serves nature with suitable instruments and method convenient for nature to produce such new forms. And although the before-mentioned stone can only be brought uh, to its proper form by art, yet the form is from nature. For the form of everything, be it living, growing, or metallic comes into existence by virtue of the interior force and matter, except the human soul. But it must be borne in mind that the essential form cannot originate in matter unless it is by the effect of an accidental form not by virtue of that form, but by virtue of another real substance, which is the fire, or some other accidental active heat. Uh, if you've read any Athanasius culture, you know that the fires within the earth were, were considered to be uh, uh, the, earth, the earthly analog of the, of the alchemists uh, And by Way of, of uh, allegory. Now, this is very important. By way of allegory, we take a hen's egg. In this, the form of the chicken cannot take shape, presence and aid of accidental form, which is the intermixture of the red and the white. And by virtue of the heat coming from the hatching hen, and although the egg is...
the hens material the, the hens material nevertheless it cannot develop either its real or accidental form otherwise than by putrefaction which is caused by the influence of warmth and so can also neither of the real nor the accidental form of the philosopher's stone originate in their natural matter without the agency of putrefaction or decoction, of which we shall speak hereafter. Putrefaction takes place when the natural heat of a moist body is expelled by an external heat, or else when the natural heat of the, the, of the subject is destroyed by cold. For when the natural warmth leaves everything and gives room for putrefaction, the philosophers did not mean this kind of putrefaction. Their putrefaction is a moistening of dry bodies that they may be restored to their former state of greening and growing. In this process of putrefaction, moist and dry are joined together and not destroyed but the moisture is quite separated from the dryness. And then it is necessary to separate the dry parts that turn to ashes. This incineration the philosophers will also, uh, will also not have, but they will have their putrefaction, which is a drying, trituration, and calcination to be done in such wise that the natural moisture and dryness be united together. But expiated and dried up from the superfluous moisture that is destructive. And even as the food is being absorbed or entering an animal's stomach, that it may be digested and changed and afterwards supply the feeding force and moisture necessary to the existence and augmentation of nature and be separated of its superfluous parts. How then everything has to be fed in its way according to its nature will be shown in the aforesaid philosopher's stone. Let me, uh, uh, based on that, that's the end of the first treatise. Uh, let me mention that Paracelsus uh, is famous for his medicines. And, and he's famous for his medicines, and he's likewise infamous for his homunculus. Now, now his homunculus, which I just looked up the other night, uh, you know, in the course of preparing for this show, uh, his homunculus was a little human being, a little miniature human being that was alive. And those of you who have, uh, those of you who have seen, have seen uh, um, the Bride of Frankenstein, not Young Frankenstein. Now, this is the original Bride of Frankenstein, Whaley's thing. You remember Doctor Pretorius in there? He has these two little, these two little people, the King and the Queen, you know. And and then he, these are homunculi, and and. Uh, they, the way that Paracelsus said that you were supposed to do this was you take uh, 
you take semen and you put it in a, in a, in a well, in a test tube or a small bottle, and and uh, and you feed it, you feed it on blood, and and you and, and then you seal it up and you and you put it under a manure pile, and the heat of the manure uh, nurtures this thing and it grows into a little human being. And this, and, and and of course, then you have to keep get it out of the manure pile after 40 days, and and then you have to you have to feed it blood, and 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 uh, and uh, so Paracelsus believed this actually could be done. I don't think he ever did it, but he he recorded it in his writings, and and therefore having recorded it in his writings, he got infamous for it, and uh, and uh, uh, but this is is one of the ideas that they had. And this is why the egg. The hens, the, the the hen sitting on her egg is important, and there's a lot of egg symbolism used in uh, in the splendor. You find it in splendor solace, and you also find it in other alchemical uh, uh, um, works and alchemical treatises. This the idea of the egg and hatching the egg. So this is um, that is the first treatise, and. Uh, Get back to my hmm. Oh, here it is. Trying to find and process the gold within ourselves is a good idea. And it makes the whole laboratory process described in Splendor Solace a beautiful transformation allegory. If we view the Splendor Solace from this perspective, as the more enlightened Rosicrucians did, and I'm not going to mention exactly where they did, because you're going to find that out. Uh, we're working on something right right now on a book that, that uh, will... Uh, Talk about where they where they actually where the where the Rosicrucians uh, really use the, uh, the Splendor Solace. Uh, we're coming up with that. Uh, as the more enlightened Rosicrucians did, we can fully appreciate the beautiful treasure it is. Both the English translation of Splendor Solace with Monochrome illustrations and Thompson's Romance and Lure of Alchemy, 1932, are available only in Kissinger reprints, as I said. There is a 2014 facsimile of the original British Museum manuscript available, uh, but the detail and the color of the illustrations is not up to par with the European versions. Fortunately, you can find good PDFs of the text and of the illustrations online. And just all you have to do is just Google. Uh, uh, you just just Google um, um, you know, Splendor Solace, and uh, you find it. Find the PDF, uh, and uh, and you find that what they've done with the with the PDF of the script. That that's the the, uh, the script that the Yogi Publication Society reprinted. Um, what they're doing with that is they put the color, taking the monochrome uh, plates out, and they put the color ones in. So it's really beautiful. Now I I encourage you to go on um, you know go online and um, and look at it. Mm. 
And I'm going to try. I'm going to try to read. Um, I'm going to try to read from the tablet here the seventh treatise in the end, of, which sums the whole thing up. And by the way, they got we got seven. You know that they the these these treatises are all lined up, and you find in the tarot cards you find you know, find planetary references in each one of the tarot cards. So they're lined up with the psychic centers, and they're lined up with the planets, and uh, and uh, and they're, they're, therefore they're also lined up with the Western version of the uh, you know of the of the psychic center system. And then okay, the seventh treatise. Of the whole work, manifold effects, and why the philosophers introduce so many names and allegories in this art on the preparation of the philosopher's stone. It is a common saying of the philosophers that whoever knows how to kill the living silver is the master of this art. But very great attention has to be paid to their quicksilver for they describe it very differently and manyfold. Senior says, Our fire is a water. If you can give it a fire to a fire and mercury to a mercury, then you know enough. He further says, The soul is extracted by putrefaction, and when nothing more of the soul remains. Then you will have well washed it. Then have you well washed the body that they both again are one. Then it is called the quinta essentia or the quintessence or a spirit permanent water or a menstrual. The Turtle Philosophorum says also, take mercury and coagulate it in the body of magnesia. And in the sulfur, does not burn and dissolve it in the very strongest vinegar. And This vinegar will become neither black nor white or red, and thus it becomes a dead quicksilver, and is a white color, and before the approach of the fire it becomes red. The Turba speaks about it as follows. By the way, this is the Turba Philosophorum, which is a ninth century alchemical treatise uh, that came came from the Arabs. It was originally in Greek, and, and uh, the translation that got into Europe uh, was back from Arabic, uh, from Arabic into Latin. And um, so, the Turba Philosophorum not only influences influences the uh, uh, the Splendor Salus, but it also influences Atlantia Fugians and then uh, and uh, it's one of the most influential uh, alchemical works, and one of the earliest, too, because it's the ninth century, at the same time as Picatrix. The Turbus speaks about it as follows. Lay it in gold 
when it will become an elixir. That is his tinct that is his tincture. And it is a beautiful water extracted from many tinctures. It gives life and color to to whom it is given to take. Further, the turbo continues. The Tyrian color red is the very best. After that comes a costly purple color. This is, of course, Phoenician, as I'm sure you know. And this is the true quicksilver. It brings a sweet savor and is a genuine tincture. For this, it is sufficient to be seen that all philosophers not only ascribe the beginning of the art as to quicksilver, but the middle and the perfect end as well. Hermes, the father of philosophers, speaks of it thus. I have been observing a bird called the philosopher's orzon, which flies when in the signs of Aries, Cancer, Libra, Ricorn. And this bird you may receive for all eternity from the true minerals and precious mountain stones. Parts shall you part, and especially that which remains after the separation, and is called of the earth complexion, that you see in many colors, and will be the wise men called it the um the Saram Sabienti, the Punum. In regard to this the philosophers talk about roasting through the days of time, according to the number and and division of parts, saying, sublimate, rectify, fix, till it sticks to the ground further, incinerate, and imbibe till it flows, make it dead and alive again, file it, break it, till the secret becomes revealed, and the revealed secret, separate the elements and unite them again, extract the soul from the body, Further rectify body and spirit. Make white Venus. Deprive Jupiter of his bulk. Harden Saturn and soften Mars. Make Luna citron colored and solve all bodies in water, which makes which makes them perfect. They also teach to roast the black sulfur until it turns red. When they distill it all, they obtain a white transparent gum, like the thing which is so highly praised and called black virginus. Then they mix the water which is drawn off from the virgin milk, and they transfer it 
into the red golden gum and the white transparent water, which must be left to coagulate, and after which process they call it the tincture of the wise, tinctura sapienti, and the fire in the colors, one soul, one spirit, drawing back again to home, those after wandering about far away, further, sulfur, ribium, moon, orion, orion appears, corpus desiderium, arum singularum, aqua sapiente, especially if it possesses great whiteness. The turba says also, you should know, unless you make the gold first white, you will never be able to get it red, black, and, and pure, pure waters. The crystalline will show, show from the from the citron red. Therefore, says Senior, it is a peculiar thing, and if you throw it over the others, the other three already mixed up, so will it help the white over the citrine and the red, and it will turn the color of, of silver. And after after that, it helps the red over the citrine and makes it white, and over the white and and and, and, and red, and makes the citrine golden colored. And then it helps as well, and the red over the citrine, and it makes it a white color. Of these things, Morenius speaks thus, behold the perfect citrine, and that which is altered in its its citrinity, and the perfect red, and the one lessened in its redness further Perfect black in its blackness. Hence it is clear, and the grid of the philosophers is different to the common good. And the gold of the philosophers is different from the common gold or silver. Though some philosophers compare it for some reasons, and not only common gold or silver, but even to all metals. And Senior says, I am a dry and hard iron, and nothing is like me, for I am a coagulation to the quicksilver of the philosophers. Um, I think that that's enough of that, not very, very cryptic material. Um, But however cryptic that may be, I'm going to point out that there is a particular Rosicrucian document that once you get into it, you will realize that everything that they are saying, all of this cryptic transmutation and all these changes of color and all these these allegories to to eggs and and and, uh, and birds and all this kind of uh, these all of these um, um, illusions. All serve to to uh, relate to uh, 
some very, very important uh, processes and, 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 and other documents. And uh, as cryptic as this sounds, it, uh, it had quite an influence on the Rosicrucians, and that's pretty obvious. And uh, uh, so you have to realize that also, too, there are enough clues. There are enough clues within uh, what we just read uh, to indicate that there is a spiritual aspect to this uh, that goes right along with the, uh, the so-called material analogies. And this is spiritual aspect that fascinated Carl Jung, and Carl Jung, uh, um, you know, uh, was deeply interested in alchemy. And, and uh, um, this was quite a, uh, uh, you know, quite a, a, a part of his, his development uh, in uh, research was concerning the spiritual transformation uh, aspect of alchemy. And once we understand, as, as we said earlier, once we understand that the, uh, that the alchemists were not, not really right, they weren't right about, uh, about metals evolving. In other words, uh, uh, lead doesn't, if you leave lead, lead in the ground long enough, it's not going to become gold. That's, that's just not going to happen. And, uh, uh, at least you know. Uh, well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe uh, under some very strange circumstances down in the center of the earth, it might. But I, uh, the chances are that it wouldn't. Uh, however, um, even though they were wrong in their in their original uh, concept, they were wrong about the metals. But their original concept was not wrong about the, about the human uh, the human uh, um, soul and uh, and about spirituality. In that respect, their uh, their their idea was 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 had some validity. Now, as I also said earlier, uh, it it was valid spiritually, but. However, it got it ended up causing a lot of confusion because they tried to they tried to apply the uh, uh, the alchemical evolvement of metals uh, to uh, the ascension of the tree of life and and, and to uh, uh, to the Kabbalah it doesn't work and even to astrology it doesn't work because of that essential mistake. That was made in thinking that, that you could grow metals. That essential mistake uh, was was why uh, uh, the uh, uh, trying to get a direct link between alchemy, Kabbalah, and astrology. That's why it didn't work. But in, in indirectly, there are many ways it does work, and uh, so. I, I want to point out with the uh, with the Spunder Solace uh, that it, it's it's a beautiful 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 book, and and uh, and its influence on the Rosicrucians was really considerable, as you will discover, uh, as we will we will uh, in in uh, future publications, and 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 all will certainly uh, bring that bring that forward. Uh, now, uh, I think that uh, we just reiterate that, that if, 
that uh, if you want to have uh, if you want to have a copy of uh, of uh, Splendor Sauce yourself, uh, the facsimile is available. Uh, the facsimile is the one in the British Museum, uh, and also, however, you you can find it as I said online. Uh, just Google uh, uh, Splendor Sauce PDF, and it has the script, and it has. The uh, the color uh, the twenty two the twenty two uh, uh, miniature paintings in there by Van Leiden, and there are the European I think there are European uh, uh, versions of it which are closer to Van Van Leiden Van Leiden's original, uh, and so uh, also as I said too I would very much recommend if you can get a copy of of uh, uh, C G S Thompson's uh, the Lure and Romance of Alchemy, you'll find it's it's fascinating, very well written, very well researched. And one of the things I really, really like about uh, uh, C.J.S. Thompson's book is he has so many wonderful illustrations of alchemical equipment. And he has, he has pages of alchemical uh, code symbols. And this is the, the, Thompson's book, uh, the Lure and Romance of Alchemy is is just a feast. I mean, it's 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 one of these books that you just you just treasure. You know, it's it, it's it's a feast. And I I know I got my double egg. You know, I I found uh, the double egg in there, uh, and, and we use the double egg in our alchemy. And what a double egg is is it's a it's a it's a it's a flask. It's kind of like a retort. It has a spout. And, and it has a it has a neck and it has a spout, but it also has a chamber within it, a glass chamber within it, and and uh, and eventually the way we managed to get one was that eventually this thing became a wine cooler. It uh, and uh, you can find one. Uh, it became a wine cooler where you could put you could put ice inside the inside the egg. Inside in in the inner egg, and then you could fill the the uh, the jug, you know, the retort with uh, with wine, and so this would cool uh, this would cool the wine. Well, of course, that that that's the eventual evolution of <laughs> of the alchemical double egg. Uh, so uh, if you can find one of those, and you and you know, and and, and if you know what the philosopher's stone is, and both Thompson and and the uh, the person who wrote the, the, the edited and wrote the uh, translation for uh, for the Salus both gave you the clue. They both gave you the clue to the to what the philosopher's stone really is. And uh, so you know, uh, uh, and we've had uh, had our our good friend and our resident alchemist uh, Art Kunkin on the show. And uh, and uh, if you want to know what the philosopher's stone is, then just. just Check out Art Conkin, and you can get him online too. That's uh, and and uh, and that just about wraps us up uh, for the the, uh, the Splendor Solace. And next week, next week we're going to have a a rebroadcast uh, on Wilhelm Reich and and Orgold Energy, another alchemical kind of a thing, uh, and Wilhelm Reich, which prompts me to. Remember my uh, uh, <laughs> my painful little joke. I'm afraid you must write, old boy. Ouch. So, 
Until next week, uh, we'll see you then, and good magic.